Well, it is so good to be together with those of us in the room. And with those of you online, we're so grateful to share this moment together with you. If you're new with us in the room or if you're new with us online, um, we have a gift for you. And if you're new with us in the room, at the end of the service, if you'll take a moment before you leave, go to the welcome table, which right smack dab in the middle of the back of the room. There'll be a host there. They'd love to give you a gift for being with us today. And for those of you that are online, they're posting a connect card right now. And that way we could lo- we'd love to give you a gift for being with us if you're new with us online. And so you can fill out that connect card and we'll get that gift to you uh, as well. Hey, Westside, let's let everyone that's online know how grateful we are to share this with them and let everyone who's new with us in the room, let them know how grateful we are to share this moment with them. Will you do that? Yeah. Now to get started with today, I want to ask a question that I believe every one of us possibly every one of us has wrestled with at one time or another. Um, It's a question that is a difficult question that maybe you've asked and likely asked. And it's, it's this right here. If God were here, wouldn't he stop this? If God were here, wouldn't he stop this? Maybe you asked that question or you had that thought when COVID-19 took so many lives. If God were here, maybe he could have stopped this. Or maybe this was a question you've wrestled with or you had when a loved one that you loved and uh, you saw dying and you were a part of the decision-making panel that had to make the decision to remove them from life support. If God, if you were here, you would stop this. Maybe you've had that question, God, Where are you or God are you? And if you were here, maybe maybe this question is the question that you had when when you found out that your spouse, maybe your child, maybe it was a parent or close friend that you had had cancer and it was terminal. God, where are you? If you were here, you could have stopped this. Or maybe this is what you, the question you have as, as you watch a war unfold and thousands have lost their lives and hundreds of thousands have been displaced from their homes. God, if you were here, would you, could you? Why wouldn't you stop this? This may be the very question that has caused you to be one of many who in their terms, are deconstructing their faith. And, and because you, you, you see things and you experience these things, and, and maybe if I were in your shoes and I saw what you saw or I experienced what you experienced and I went through what you in, went through, maybe I would have that same question with you. God, if you were here, wouldn't you, couldn't you stop this? Now, if you've ever wrestled with this question, if you've ever wrestled with the question, then the question that we've been asking as a church family is where you need to begin again. And we've been asking this question over the last several weeks. Who is Jesus? And more importantly, we've been asking the question, who does Jesus say that he is? For the answer to this question, because the answer to this question, and, and the reason for the answer to this question is the very foundation, I believe, for the faith that you want to have. The faith that you want to have amidst the pain and the suffering that you see. See, to answer the question, who is Jesus, we do have to ask the question, who did Jesus claim that he was. In the first century book that we call now the Gospel of John, 
The, the writer tells us who Jesus claimed to be, who he, Jesus laid claim and who Jesus said he is. And Jesus claimed to be the I am. This I am was a, a name that the Hebrew God, that the God of the Hebrews, which is the God of the Bible, declared that he was. And Jesus took ownership of this name, claiming the sacred name of God to be his name. And the gospel of John records this claim to be God and not just any God, not just a God among many gods, but Jesus claimed to be the God of Israel, the God who was the only true God and the God who was responsible for creating all things. John was declaring something. He was declaring in his writing that Jesus is God and therefore he is Lord. That Jesus is God and therefore he is Lord. And John would write his account so you and I could come to understand the reason he believed that Jesus was God. And not just God, but he was Lord. And John writes his account of the life of Jesus in a very strategic way to share the good news about who Jesus is. After John introduces Jesus in the first chapter, John tells the story of Jesus performing his first miracle. It's a, a miracle of turning water into wine. And this would be the first of seven signs that John would share throughout his entire gospel that he would include in his writing as evidence to the claim that Jesus made that he is God and Lord. Then in John chapter 3, John writes about an encounter that Jesus has with an elite religious leader named Nicodemus. Nicodemus believed Jesus was a teacher sent by God. Nicodemus was hoping that Jesus would be the Messiah, the Messiah who scripture had pointed to, that who would reestablish God's kingdom because God's kingdom would be the answer for all of Israel's pain, all of their suffering, all of the oppression that they have faced over the years and now are under the oppression of the Roman government and the authority of the Roman government. God's kingdom would answer it all. And Nicodemus might have been thinking, God, did you send Jesus to fix this, to stop this? However, Nicodemus was the only member of the Jewish religious council who believed Jesus was sent by God. So Nicodemus approaches Jesus at night, and John records the conversation they have when Nicodemus approaches Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, and I tell us all the time, and I remind us all the time that anytime Jesus says very truly, we need to lean in. Jesus says to Nicodemus, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Here, Jesus tells Nicodemus the only way to be a part of the kingdom that he hoped Jesus was establishing the kingdom that Nicodemus was looking forward to, the world that would fix it all, this, this, this epitome of the world, this kingdom would answer all of the Israel's oppression and suffering. And the answer that Jesus gives is no one can see this kingdom unless they are born again. And Nicodemus is confused, says, how can a man go back into his mother's room? How can, how can one become human again, God? I mean, how can we do this? 
And Jesus repeats himself. He says very truly again to Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and spirit. So he gets a little more descriptive. And then he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You know, while our bodies are born with life, the reality is our spirits are dead. Because of our spirits, we're born disconnected from God because this is the curse of sin. And we are not fully human. I mean, the reality is, is we're not fully human because our spirits are disconnected from the life of God. Our spirits are disconnected from God. And to be born again is to become fully human again. It's to have this new birth through the Holy Spirit. This is the only way that we can escape the, the eternal judgment, which is the, the, what the curse of sin brings on all humanity. Nicodemus doesn't understand. How can this be? We would read in the, in the story, if you follow along, and Nicodemus says, how can this happen? How can this be in Jesus? How, how can we become human again? And this is Jesus' response. He says, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe when I speak, if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, which is a title that he claimed for himself, which was a title for the, the, the Messiah, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Here Nicodemus hears from Jesus' very own words the secret to the kingdom of God. The secret to being born again is right here. Jesus has to die so people can see him and believe in him. So they can become born again to live again. This is the story. And it's here that John likely gets so caught up in, his, in the excitement of what Jesus came to do that he gives, he, he gives a spoiler to the entire gospel account, his entire story. He lets the cat out of the bag, by which I don't even know what, why we say the cat out of the bag. But John says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John answers the questions that we have to ask, who is Jesus and why Jesus See, the answer to who is Jesus and the answer to why Jesus will answer the questions. Why do we need to be born again? Why do we need the kingdom of God? Why is the kingdom of God the answer to all of our pain and suffering? And why is the kingdom of God the only way, the only way to eternal life? And it also answers the question, where is God when we see or experience pain suffering. Humanity, see, here's a real reality. Humanity is, is caught. We, we are trapped. We are trapped in a web of selfishness and sin that leads to brokenness and death. 
This brokenness and death is the judgment that that we all bear from the brokenness of our spirits being broken in our relationship with God. And because our relationship with God is broken, this is the curse we have. Brokenness is on our, on our body, and death comes to all things, and even on all creation. And this answers, this answers the question, why do we see and experience suffering? Why do we see and experience pain? Why does every one of us see and experience death? See, John's message is a good news message that this, that the good news of Jesus, see, the good news of Jesus is that Jesus has the power to remove the curse of sin and give life to all who trust in him. Only by being born again, Only through the work of the Holy Spirit, making you truly human again, restoring what sin destroyed. Only in this can you and I have the relationship with God that we were created to have and therefore be welcomed and restored back into the family of God and become a part of the kingdom family that God has and see the kingdom. Of God, a kingdom family who is connected to the source of light, the light of the world, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life, the good shepherd who would lay down his life so all could have life. See, we're a part of a kingdom family when we put our trust in Jesus and become born again. We are part of a true humanity that God created us to be. This is what being human again is all about. And John shares Jesus, with Jesus' words with us so we can know this truth, that we can experience this reality, that we can become truly human again. And we need to remember something. See, we need to keep in mind the heavenly story God is writing through our earthly circumstances. Just like God, Jesus told Nicodemus to see the heavenly thing. He goes, he goes, don't even see the heavenly thing that I'm doing that's going on. And John is writing this so you and I can see the heavenly story that God is writing through our suffering, through all the pain that you experience, through all the pain that you see, through all the suffering you experience, through all the suffering you see, and the unfortunate circumstances you encounter. God is writing a bigger story. John has this heavenly story in mind as he writes this good news account of Jesus. And as John writes about Jesus, he includes a very significant story right in the middle of his telling, of his story account of Jesus. And it's a miracle that Jesus performs that John uses as the centerpiece. It's like the, where the plot turns. It's, it's where Jesus' story takes this dramatic turn in the most epic fashion. This event is a miracle. It's the sixth of the signs that John puts in his gospel to give us the evidence, the the proof that Jesus is who he said he is, I am. And it also includes one of Jesus' I am statements. It is also the event that seals the fate of Jesus' very own death. In John chapter 11, John writes this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And to give context so you know which Mary and Martha this was in like, it would say like Bob and Sally in our day and age. Well, which Bob and Sally are we talking about? Well, John gives specificity to who this was. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick 
was the same one who, perform, who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved, and I love this right here, how John just puts this personal aspect on Jesus. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Here, in this circumstance, we see the unfortunate result of sin and the brokenness and the sickness as Jesus' closest friend, Lazarus, is dying. And maybe you've been there in Mary and Martha's shoes. You've wanted God to do something for you, and you even wonder if he loves you. You wonder if God even cares for you or even loves you. And I believe John included this little, this little phrase, this little sentence, so you would know something, that God's love for you doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. See, God's love for you doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. And just as Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, John wants you to know that God has that same love. Jesus has that same love for you. To think that God doesn't love you because bad things happen to you is simply not true. And we read on in verse 6. So when he heard, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, after two days, let us go back to Judea. Now, his disciples think, Judea? Wait, Jesus. They are waiting there in Judea for you to come back because as soon as you come back, they are going to arrest you and they got the plan to kill you. Do we not need to remind you all the other times we were back in Judea and in Jerusalem, they had plots and they were out to get you and they could, the religious elite were out there to arrest you and stone you. And by the way, if they do that to you and we're with you, what's that mean for us? They knew. And Jesus tells them Plainly, that Lazarus has fallen asleep, a term Jesus used several times to refer to someone who is dead. He uses this in the Gospels. We read this, and, and, and we need to remember something. There's a heavenly story going, around, going on in this earthly circumstance. And he tells them that the disciples, Lazarus, is asleep. And the disciples are like, great. If he sleeps, he'll get well. Let's let him sleep. We do not need to go. Just like you would tell your kids. Hey, go to bed. It fixes all things. <laughs> and here, Jesus tells them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead. It's for your benefit that, I, that, that he has died so that you may believe. And then he tells them, we're going back to Jerusalem. And in this moment, the disciples, <gasps> Take this deep breath because they know that going back towards Jerusalem means something. They know that going back to Jerusalem means imminent death for Jesus. And not just for Jesus, but for them as well. And listen to what John says, and he writes that Thomas says in this. And we, Thomas, I love Thomas. We Caleb did a beautiful job, including Thomas in the story when we were talking about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And this is Thomas. He goes, let us go that we may die 
with him. Let us go that we may die with him because for Jesus to go to heal Lazarus, it meant that Jesus would die. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus so much that he was willing to show up and die for them. This is the love of a true friend. No greater love than a friend has than he laid down his life for one's friend. John started his gospel sharing with his readers that this is God's love for the whole world. See, Jesus shows us that God, the love that God has for all humanity. This is what Jesus shows us. This is why John writes this the way he does, because he wants you to know that Jesus shows you and I the love that God has for all humanity, that Jesus would choose to give up his life to save us so we can have life, but only if we trust in him. We read on in verse 17 that on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Now, we need to do some calculations here because John's statistic that is given shows us really the absurdity to this situation. I asked Siri this past week, how long would it take us to walk two miles? You know how long it would take to walk two miles? About 40 minutes. Two miles is about the distance that this building is from our Leavenworth High School down the road. 40 minutes, and it took Jesus days. Maybe Jesus wanted to remove all doubt that Lazarus was not just mostly dead, but dead dead. In this day and age, there was this this superstition, if you will, that a a, a body, the spirit of a body, hovered over the dead person's body for three days, and then after the third day, it went to Sheol. And Jesus maybe wanted to remove all doubt that Lazarus was dead. Now the Jews, there's a group of people, Mary, Martha included, that I think relate to a lot of us today. Remember our question earlier? If God were here, wouldn't he stop this? I mean, if God were here, I wonder if that's what Lazarus thought right before he died. Man, if Jesus were here, I know he could stop this. Well, we know this is what Martha was thinking. We read that Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. It's also what Mary says. Mary comes and reaches the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we also know this is what many of the people in the crowd, or some of the people in the crowd were thinking. And some of them said, could not he who opened the blind man, eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Maybe this is the reason or similar to the reason that you've lost your faith or you're questioning your faith. You're at the door about ready to exit your faith in Christ because you've had a friend or a loved one and you saw the pain, the suffering, and you thought, God, if you were here, 
you could have stopped this. And Jesus' response to each of these is a response that I want you to hear today. Because Jesus claimed to be God, I believe this is how God responds to every one of our circumstances. This is how I believe God wants to respond to you. To Martha, this is what Jesus would say. Jesus said to her, your brother will live again. Martha answered, I know he will live again in the resurrection. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he looks into her eyes, I believe. It's not written, but I can just almost see the author of life looking into her eyes, full of doubt, saying, do you believe this? I am The same name for the God of Israel, I am. The only true God throughout all history has proven himself where no other gods has shown up into our earth to prove themselves. But the I am, the only true God who created all things, there present with her, would declare and look at her and look at Martha and declare his claim to divinity. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus declared death cannot win wherever I am is present. Jesus declared in this moment telling Martha, this is what I'm here to prove to you. There is life beyond death, that I am the way to this life. I am the door to this life. And there is this true life that even, that you can have true life, even a world, even in a world where we see evil and experience pain and suffering. Jesus is the way to life. And whoever, Jesus would say, whoever lives by believing in Jesus will never die. And I believe he looks at you today in the same way he would look at Martha. Do you trust this? Do you truly trust this? Do you truly believe this? Do you trust that you can be born again, that, that again, and have true life, new life by believing and trusting in I am me, God, Jesus, who is the author of life? This is why John writes this gospel. This is why, because he wants you to have life and not perish. So you will trust in Jesus, be born again, and receive life from the resurrection and life. And then Jesus responds to Mary. And when he saw her weeping, at the, and the Jews also who came along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then John tells us what happens, because he was there. Jesus wept. See, Jesus shows us that God enters our grief. God enters our brokenness and sorrow because Jesus is resurrection and life. You and I can have hope for tomorrow. And to 
the skeptics in the crowd, Jesus also responds. And this is how he responds. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Martha then stops everything in this moment and says, but he'll stink. (laughs) How many of you have a Martha in your life? Don't raise your hand. I love what the King James says in this moment. The King James, if you read it, in the King James it says, he stinketh. (laughs) And then Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, to many who might have been skeptic, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, I was thinking about this over the past couple of weeks. I was just pondering, who do you think went first? I know I couldn't have done it. And all in this event, they began to unwrap the face of Lazarus taking off these grave clothes that held him. Because wherever I am is present. Death doesn't win. And this made the religious elite, the elite of the, the Pharisees, it made them mad. And they, this moment would activate their plot to arrest and kill Jesus. Jesus would set his face like flint on the work that he had come to finish. And he would do for the world what he did for Lazarus. He would come to bring new life. He would give up his life so he could bring new life to whomever puts their trust in him. And Jesus would give his last teaching to his disciples over one of the most meaningful uh, celebrations in the nation of his history as they celebrate the Passover meal. And Jesus would use his Passover meal where they would celebrate God delivering the nation of Israel from the oppression of the Egyptian slavery. Judas would be there and after they would leave, Judas, Judas would then leave. And after they would leave that room celebrating this Passover meal that would have new meaning from this day forward, Judas would betray Jesus. The Pharisees would arrest Jesus, then accuse Jesus of blasphemy because of his claim to be God and the Messiah. They would beat Jesus. They would whip Jesus. They would crucify Jesus. All these things that Jesus and scripture prophesied that would happen to him came true. They nailed the son of God who claimed to be God, the king of the Jews, to a cross and lifted him up so all could see, just like Jesus told 
Nicodemus. There, on this cross, the ultimate act of selflessness would be seen by all who would present. And you and I, because of the miracle that we have, the, the preservation of the scriptures, we would be able to hear the amazing news of what Jesus did. And the only time that Jesus would ask for something for himself while on the cross would be for a drink, and they would deny the living water a drink of water. Instead, they would give him wine vinegar, and we read, when he'd received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. With those words, God incarnate, Jesus, the son of God, finished the work that God the Father set out to do for all humanity. He gave up his spirit. Jesus gave up his spirit so that the Holy Spirit can restore life to your spirit and bring new life to you so you can live again. So you can be the full humanity that God has called every one of us to be. Jesus' final work on the cross becomes the final payment for the sins of all who believe in him. So you and I, can be born again, truly human, truly restored to the way that God intended it for us to be. So we would not be disconnected from God. Then three days later, three days later, God the Father would command the angel to do the same thing that Jesus would command the skeptics that were standing in front of Lazarus' tomb. Remove the stone. The angel would remove the stone and then the Holy Spirit raised Christ Jesus back to life, guaranteeing the life of all who receive Jesus as Savior and Lord so we can become this new humanity that God originally intended for us all to be. Because Jesus walked out of that grave, you can too. See, through Jesus' selfless death, that displays God's love to the world. God saves all who trust in Jesus by giving us a new way to become human again. This is what Jesus does. He gives you and I a new way. His life and his death is the final work that reverses the curse of sin that, 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 that makes you into the image and restores you into the image that God created you to be so you can be fully human Again, this is what being born again is all about. This is the life Jesus wants you. Now, you can't earn it. He did it. He just wants you to receive it. The resurrection of Jesus would be John's seventh sign and final sign to all the skeptics. All those who are wondering, God, where are you? Amidst all the suffering in the world, where are you? Jesus came into this world to bear all the pain, all the suffering, so he can make you alive again. And though you may die and will die, after death there is life because I am came and showed us who he truly is, resurrection and life. 
See, Jesus there would tell his disciples after this, hey, you're blessed because you've seen me, but blessed are those. He would say to them, because you've seen me, you have believed, but there's something amazing. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You and I, we didn't see Jesus' resurrected body, but hundreds of people did. In fact, Paul would record that there were 500 present at one time when Jesus appeared to him, and it was not just a spirit. He was flesh and blood. He would, his disciples would eat with him. There were people, thousands, over a thousand we know possibly ate with Jesus and saw him. His disciples saw him, and they gave their life up, not for a story, but for what they saw. And they recorded this so you can have the good news and you can receive what they received. New life in Christ. You and I can be blessed with the same eternal life. We can experience the work of the Holy Spirit of God giving us new life. So we can be born again through Jesus' perfect work on the cross. This is the heavenly work amidst the evil and the pain of suffering. Death doesn't win. And if you don't remember anything today, may you remember this. The sin, suffering, and death don't win when we are born again. Sin, suffering, and death, it doesn't win. It doesn't win when we are born again. This is the heavenly work. We become the new family. We become the new humanity. And this is the new family, the kingdom family of God. So how do we become born again? Well, Jesus would teach that his kingdom is not something you earn, it's something you receive. His life is not something you can earn, it's something you can only receive because of what he did. See, because Jesus is resurrection and the true life, whoever trusts in him as Savior and follows him as Lord is born again and receives this life. And we receive it by trusting in him, by believing in him as our Savior, because he is the resurrection and life. And we, and we receive this because we trust that he is Lord, he is God. And when you receive his life, when you receive Jesus by trusting in him, you're born into a bigger family. You're born into a new family, a kingdom family, the family of God, whose God's life and his rule and his authority doesn't let death win because he is resurrection and life. See, sin, suffering, and death doesn't win when we receive life because we then are born again. See, Jesus' resurrection guarantees something. Jesus' resurrection guarantees new life to those who trust in him as Savior and follow him as Lord. The resurrection of Jesus makes sense to all the pain all your suffering and it makes sense of the evil we see in the world and he comes and he comes and he comes and he comes to show you and I that he is resurrection and life and death doesn't win death doesn't win see when we experience evil and suffering we can trust in Jesus as the resurrection and life. Death doesn't win. Death isn't going to win in your pain. Death isn't going to win in your suffering. Death isn't going to win in what you see or you see in people experience in this world because Jesus is resurrection and life. We can have the best news ever because we can share with people that Jesus is resurrection and life and you can become the new 
humanity. You can be truly human again by just receiving what Jesus has done for you. Maybe this is what you need to do today. Maybe you need to put your trust in him. Do you need to put your trust in him? Maybe you've never put your trust in him. And I'm gonna pray with you. A prayer doesn't save you, but putting your trust in Jesus and his perfect work for you and his, what he did on the cross. And you say, Jesus, I receive your life for me. As soon as you put your trust in him, he does the most amazing thing. He puts his Holy Spirit. He's, God the Father sends the Holy Spirit to be inside of you. And as soon as you receive his life, you're made new. You're born again. You're the new humanity. You're truly human again. It's the way God intended it to be at the beginning. And you and I can take off our grave clothes and walk in the new life that God has given every one of us through Jesus. And today we're gonna to celebrate some who have put their trust in Jesus. And they're going to publicly declare this personal walk and this commitment to put their trust in Jesus as their savior and follow him with their Lord. And you know what we're gonna be? We're gonna be the crowd that cheers them on and celebrates what God, we're gonna be there to celebrate that we're taking off the grave clothes in their life. We're gonna be there to walk with them. We're gonna be there to walk, experience the new life in Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never taken this next step of baptism. We have clothes for you. You can come and we can, we'll baptize you in your clothes and we'll send you out, get this, in new clothes. Yeah? <laughs> Because death doesn't win. Death doesn't win when we are born again. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to display the love that you have for all humanity, to bring every one of us back into a relationship with you. So our spirits that were dead can come alive as we trust in the perfect life that Jesus lived, that we couldn't live, that we trust in the death that pays the penalty for all of sin, of all humanity, of my sin, of all time. And we trust that he is alive because he is resurrection and life. And we trust that we receive this life. And today, for those that have never received it, they may, they, may, that rece may they receive that right now. And may they even have the boldness to come to declare that publicly through water baptism. And Father, for those that are coming back to you. May they take this moment to come back to a loving God who loves and cares for them. And Father, thank you for sending Jesus, the I am, to show us that death doesn't win when we are born again.